Good morning. Good morning. I hope you all are doing as good as you look today. We'll be, uh, we'll be all right. I wonder if anybody here knows what's going to happen a week from today. Huh? I know mamas and daddies do. <laughs> what about the kids? You know what's coming up next week? Yeah, who, what's coming up next week, son? Christmas. Christmas, that's right. It's almost time. Time to get excited. Boy, I tell you what, it's always been one of the best times in my life. I remember being a little boy waiting for Christmas. Santa Claus, he used to be on TV. This was in Detroit. About two weeks before Christmas, I guess, he'd be on TV every day. Man, every day I was in front of that TV watching Santa Claus. I thought that was so cool. And then one night he snuck in our house. I woke up the next morning, I was a happy camper. Good times, good times. We're glad you're all with us today. Does this offend you? That's what I'd like to talk about. Uh, this week, as I watched, uh, mostly it was news outlets, and uh, a lot of people were talking about being offended by this, that, and the other thing. Uh, people uh, uh, get excited when they're offended. Uh, sometimes it's kind of strange the things they get offended over, and sometimes you know I can understand why they might be offended. But I guess all of us here have been offended, uh, and that's what I want to talk about, uh, what offends us. Those who offend others are considered insensitive, uncaring, and unloving. That's usually the way it goes down. I've had some people think that way about me, uh, and I'm not. I know I'm not because I know me. Uh, I'm very caring. Uh, I'm very sensitive to people's problems. But when people have to listen to me talk, uh, I'm, I'd say some people come out with it that way. Uh, I seem like an insensitive and uncaring person because uh, I speak about things that, oh, offends people. Uh, that happens. Those who offend, they're number one, they're mean-spirited people. Generally, this is the way people think. They're mean-spirited, they're unkind. Number two, they're ignorant, don't know what they're talking about. Or number three, they spoke the truth. And the truth, you know, is one of the great enemies we have. Uh, you ask somebody, well, how do you like my, my new jacket? And they say, well, personally, I don't like it at all. Oh, stab me in the heart. How do you like my new hairdo? Well, I think it makes you look 20 years older. Oh, broke my heart. The truth. Oh, you don't want to hear the truth. We ought to learn not to ask so many questions. Get your new hairdo, just get your hairdo and go about your business. Don't ask anybody what they think of it. They might tell you. But most of the time, people lie to us. They'll tell us what we want to hear. How do you like my new do? Looking good. And they think it's the silliest thing they ever saw. Uh, that's the way we are. I don't know what makes us that way. I guess I do know. We don't want to offend people. And uh, so to keep from offending people, we'll just flat out tell a lie. And, of course, that's not good because we offend somebody else when we lie. Best not to ask questions sometimes, especially when it comes to something we have or own. 
Paul said regarding the Christian, we give offense, we give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. Uh, the word offense normally is the Greek term scandalon. Uh, when you read offense in the New Testament. Uh, most of the time in the Greek, that'll be the word scandalon. But in this place, in this place only, as a matter of fact, the word is proskope. Okay, it's different. It's a word used only here. And it's been translated into English as offense uh, in the New King James Version of the Bible. Uh, the meaning of the word proskope is a cause of stumbling. We give no cause of stumbling in anything. You know what it means to stumble. You trip over something and fall, right? Paul said we give no occasion to cause folks to stumble. If I may, uh, I forgot the word, but it's whenever you change a text and make it mean something else. I forget things these days, Jimmy. Uh, it would read something like this. This is the way I made it. We give no cause of stumbling in the lives that we live. This is, I believe, what Paul is actually saying. Uh, we, we try very hard not to cause people to stumble, that our ministry may not be blamed. I don't want people talking about the Lord and his church. I don't want people looking down on the church because of the way I live. Did I have a right to live that way? Oh, yes, I did. But Paul would say, I knew some people didn't understand. So because they didn't understand, I forego my liberty and I'll live in such a way that I will not cause other people to stumble. Because I don't want any people to blame the ministry for what I do or don't do. In Romans 14 and 1, he said, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. You, know, you notice there's a, a weak in the faith. This is a person who doesn't have a great deal of faith. Now, that's because they don't have a great deal of knowledge, in part. Uh, most of the time, that's going to be the cause. Uh, in Romans 10 and 17, for example, Paul said, um, we know that faith comes by hearing the word of God. Okay, that's how we acquire our faith. As the word of God flows into us and becomes a part of us, our faith in God increases naturally. The word of God comes in and our faith goes out, okay? <clears throat> but don't receive a person who is weak in the faith, lacking knowledge. Don't receive this person uh, to dispute. Dispute is to wrangle, to argue about over doubtful things. Uh, in the ASV version, it says, yet not for the decision of scruples. Receive one who is weak in the faith, yet not for decision of scruples. Uh, the New American Standard Version says, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. I think that's the best version to understand the meaning of what Paul's saying here in Romans 14 and 1. Receive one who is weak in the faith. They, they don't understand a lot of stuff. In this case, it had to do mostly with eating meat. They didn't understand. These are Jews. They were Jews who had offered animal sacrifices, and now they're trying to get away from Judaism, become a Christian, and they don't understand where meat fits into all this. To them, the meat is something that was offered to the idol, and as a Christian, they don't want to eat something offered to an idol, and they won't. 
but there's Christians in the church that when they come for worship or for fellowship, rather, uh, they got a ham. And they're sitting there, look, what are you doing eating a ham? You can't eat a ham that pig was offered. Not a pig, a cow, let's say, a, a roast was offered on, on a sacrifice. And you don't want to eat that roast. And they don't understand. Receive a person and enable them to come a part of the, the fellowship. Even though they, they lack knowledge about some things and misunderstand, you can still accept them into the fellowship. But don't, don't be arguing with them about their personal beliefs. Don't say, well, you know, you're a dummy because you think that way. Or how could you possibly think that way? Haven't you heard what the Lord taught the Apostle Peter years ago? How can you believe such? Don't do that. Receive one who is weak in the faith. But be gentle with that person. Be very kind. The personal opinion of another individual is what's under discussion, of course. Everybody has an opinion about things. Everybody does. Walk carefully. Try not to cause a person to stumble because what you know to be correct uh, may be in direct violation to an opinion they hold and it may not be the prudent thing to do just to speak up. Well, what about educating? You gotta educate people. You take time, you do it delicately, and you try to teach people what the truth of a matter is where they can finally stand to hear such teaching, but you have to be very careful. Allow such people into your fellowship, but be very careful. In verse 21, he goes on to say, it is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. This again, it comes back to a person's personal opinion. Paul practiced what he preached. He said, it's not good to eat meat. If you brought somebody into the fellowship and these people don't understand that it's okay to eat meat, well, as, as a brotherhood, perhaps it's best not to eat meat in your gatherings. Perhaps it's best to forego these things. Well, yeah, but I got a right to eat meat. True, you do. But it might be for the best, given the current climate. It might be for the best that you not eat meats. You might make a sacrifice for the sake of others. And someone says, well, I know what the truth is, and I don't care. I want a roast. I don't care who it offends. I'm going to have my roast. The spirit of Christ is missing in an attitude like that. I know it's okay to eat meat. I, I know everybody has the right to do it. But there are times because of the attitude of some people, what they think to be true, even though it's not, if I, if I pursue what I know is okay, I may cause them to stumble and perhaps even fall away. Does, does, my, liberty, does my liberty that important to me that I would allow another person to fall away from Christ when I could just as easily forego my liberty? And someone said, that's a lot to ask. It is. But Paul, he, pr he practiced what he preached. 
If food makes my brother stumble, he'll go on to say in Romans, uh, 1 Corinthians, I will never again eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. He knew he could, but he wasn't going to do it because there's just too many people in the brotherhood that thought it was wrong to eat meat. Now, what he did in his private chambers, I don't know. He might have had a T-bone. I don't know. Probably did from time to time. But when he was uh, in the presence of others, he would abstain from such rites. You have to be careful and try not to offend people when it comes to their personal scruples. You have to be very careful. Teach them, yes, but do it slowly and gently over time. One might offend others by, number one, opinion, choice, decision. Number two, truth or facts. You can do it either way. It's easy. It's hard. You know, when you stand up here like I do, it's hard because <laughs> you're going to step on somebody's toes. You can almost guarantee it every time. Uh, somebody's going to get upset, and then you go out over that, and uh, you step on even more toes. Uh, it's, uh, it's probably one of the hardest things I have to do is talk. But uh, sometimes uh, you may offend people by opinion. Sometimes you may offend people by the truth. Don't, Paul said, don't offend people by opinion. If you can avoid it, sometimes it's unavoidable. Uh, if you can avoid it and it's uh, practical, impossible, don't do it. But uh, when it comes to the truth, you've got to tell the truth. You just got to tell the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. It's got to be God's truth or nothing when it comes to gospel. The truth uh, often offends. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus and his apostles uh, had uh, eaten. And they didn't wash their hands before they ate. Now, there was a custom among the Jews that you got to wash before you eat. Uh, and there was a certain way to wash. As a matter of fact, you had to scrub your hands so many times together. There's a lot of rules about washings uh, among the rabbis. Well, the apostles didn't do it. And the Lord, he didn't do it. Uh, they, they were hungry. They, they got food that they had gathered, and they ate it with dirty hands. And, oh, boy, did it make the Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees angry. In Matthew 15, verses 1 through 14, the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem, they came to Jesus when they seen them do this, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? See, it was a rabbinical rule. This was one of the rules that the guys got together and decided. You know, it's disgusting to watch people eat with dirty hands, they'd say. So let's make a rule. You got to wash your hands so it won't be so disgusting. I can't stand to watch somebody eat with dirty hands. So everybody has to wash hands. So they made it a rule. It's in the Talmud. You got to wash them hands, man. Why aren't your disciples doing what we told you to do? This is basically what they're saying. They do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And they're supposed to. And Jesus answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God? Because of your tradition. Now look at the difference here. One is the tradition of the elders. The other is the commandment of God. The tradition of the elders, well, that was an opinion. It holds no water. 
the elders can get together and decide all the laws they want to. It don't mean nothing because the human laws are irrelevant. No one has a right to make a law. Not even the elders in the church. They can't make laws. They make decisions regarding the law, but they can't make a law. So we got a, we got a complaint. Uh, the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they willingly transgressed the law of God, but nobody better transgress their law. Human law always takes precedent over divine law among men. Jesus said, you hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Hypocrites, they say one thing, I am God's man, but they do another, they live like the devil. Hypocrites. In vain, he said, you are worshiping me, teaching as doctrine, as though it was some sort of truth. Teaching as doctrine what's only a commandment of men. Doesn't mean anything. But you get all bent out of shape when somebody doesn't obey it. His disciples, they came and they said, Lord, they're thinking, are you out of your mind? Why did you do that? Do you not know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard what you had to say? And Jesus responded, let them alone. There's no question marks in the Greek. Let them alone. Is that what you want me to do? Let them alone. That is what they wanted. They didn't want to make a fuss with the scribes and the Pharisees. These were the men of power. They didn't want no problems with these guys. They could have them put in jail if they wanted to. Man, what are you bothering them for? Why don't you just leave them alone? Let them alone? That's what you want me to do, in essence, he's saying. He doesn't say it, but his response basically is, I can't let them alone. It isn't possible that I should let them alone. They are blind, and they are leading the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, they're all going to fall into the ditch. He's talking about hell. Their teachers are teaching them a lie, a lie that's causing them to walk in the paths of unrighteousness. And if nothing happens, if nobody puts them in check, if they continue to do what they're doing, finally they're all going to wind up losing their souls. Let them alone? I can't let them alone. God can't stand by and watch somebody lose their soul without at least making an attempt to save them, even from themselves. But the truth might offend. Which is the better? To offend someone or to allow them to perish? What would you do? It seems to me it's a no-brainer. Yeah, people are going to dislike you because of what you said. I get it. Been there, done that. But what recourse have you got? We got all these children here. And sometimes they actually listen to what I say. And when they hear what I say, it sticks in their minds. You know, I'm the preacher. Preacher said it. 
got to be the truth. If they hear what I say, it sticks in their minds, and they have to live with it. These children are going to grow up, and they need to know the truth. They need to know, for example, get TikTok off your telephones. I don't know what everybody's thinking. You know who owns TikTok? The communist Chinese government. You know what they're doing when they get into your information? They're seeping out everything they can find about you and making files. Get rid of TikTok. Children need to know that because they like TikTok the best. But somebody has got to speak the truth when it comes to the gospel so that these children will know what they can and cannot do. Yes, when you get married, you're married, you're married. Because God marries you. And when God marries you, he expects you to be in that relationship when you die. Well, my wife gets on my nerves. Learn to deal with it. But a lot of folks don't. There's so many kids today, I say kids, I'm talking about 30-year-olds more. They don't know that. They really don't know that. They don't understand it. And when somebody like me comes along and says it, they get upset. Why? Because they may be on their fourth or fifth marriage already. I can't help that. That's water under the bridge. I can't help what's here. So you got to speak the truth. Let them alone. I can't. Because we have to protect our babies. In John chapter 6, Jesus preached what some call the bread of life sermon. I say some, I mean me. <clears throat> the bread of life sermon is recorded in John chapter 6. Thousands of people were offended and disillusioned by what Jesus had to say that day. And mostly what they were upset about was what he had said about himself. And his disciples, they complained about it. But he, they didn't like it. What exactly was it he taught? He said, does this offend you, what he had just said? Yeah, it offended them. They were upset. They were angry with him. Have I offended you? By what, I, what did he say? He said that he came down from heaven. Like the manna in the day of Moses. He said, I am the manna of the new era that came down from heaven. I am the bread of life to be consumed by the children of God. And they were, oh, they were upset so bad when Jesus said that. But it was the truth. He said, what then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? What does he mean by that? He said, I came down from heaven. Well, what's, and you're offended. What's going to happen when I, I go back up to heaven? What are you going to say then? And from that time, many of his disciples went back and they, they walked with him no more. This notion of him coming down from heaven and to be consumed by people. And then one day he's going to go back to heaven. No, they weren't. No, they couldn't accept that. That was wrong. People don't go back to heaven and they don't come down from heaven either. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen was stoned. 
because he preached the gospel. He preached Jesus as the Christ. In the seventh chapter, he rehearsed uh, what we call the Old Testament, but he rehearsed the history of Israel primarily, about all the things that went on in Israel uh, throughout the Old Testament. And the point he was striving to make is on every hand, the Israelites disobeyed God. They would not obey God. They would repent and said they would, but they wouldn't obey him for long, and then they would disobey him again. Time after time after time after time, they got to the point where they refused to listen to God any longer. And now he's accusing the people he's speaking to. He said, you've done the same thing your fathers did. And boy, were they upset. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. You've learned nothing. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. They gnashed at Stephen with their teeth. He said, look, they're, they're in the process of killing the man. And he looks up into the heavens. He said, look, I see the heavens open. And remarkably, he said, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. He was given the privilege, the opportunity to look into heaven and see what no other man could see, Jesus Christ on his feet. It's, it's ironic to me. Whenever you read about the Lord Jesus in heaven, he's always sitting next to God, sitting at the right hand of God. But in this instance, when Stephen is going down for the count, more or less, Jesus is standing. In my mind, what I see is I see the Lord encouraging him, coaxing him. Don't give up. It looks so bad, but don't give up. You're only a step away. And then finally, Stephen, when he made that statement, the Jews were offended by Stephen's statement that they cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears and they ran at him with one accord and they murdered the man. Why? He told them the truth. And they didn't like it. Paul said whenever possible, don't offend people. Try to avoid it when possible. Sometimes it's not possible. And sometimes it is. But when it comes to the truth, you have only one thing to say. And that is we are to repeat what the Lord said. We are, as Peter said, the oracles of God. Speaking his words always. Avoided offending whenever possible. That doesn't even make sense. I don't know why I wrote that. Should be avoid offending whenever possible. In Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6, Paul said, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. Grace is always with favor. Always expressing divine favor, like a person in my place right now, always showering people with divine favor the willingness and the goodness of God to forgive us of our transgressions if we're willing to repent of our sins. And our speech should also be seasoned with salt. Salt is a preserver. We preserve meats, used to. We use salt to preserve meats that were put in the smokehouse. And that's what salt symbolized uh, in the New Testament period was a preservation of meat. But today, of course, it's the preservation of 
of the souls of men. This is the way we're supposed to speak to others. Jesus in Matthew 17, 27, it was tax time. You're supposed to pay taxes. Jesus, Jesus owned everything. Everything belonged to him. Did he have to pay taxes? Well, the answer is no. How can you make the owner of the land pay taxes? He didn't have to pay taxes. But he said, lest we offend them, Peter, go to the sea, cast in a hook, take the fish that comes up first, and retrieve a coin from his mouth. Take that coin and pay my taxes for me. And Peter did. The Lord was exempt from taxation. No king paid taxes. He was exempt, but to keep from offending the masses, he did like they did, and he paid taxes. Sometimes that's the prudent thing for us to do. Forgo our rights and do what others expect us to do. So it can be a bitter pill to swallow because it's not something you gotta do, but it's something you should want to do if you are a child of God. But remember, as Jesus said, it is written. Man shall live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If we cut out portions of the word of God, how shall a man live? We live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Some words are very painful. Homosexualism is wrong. It's a sin against the creator. Adultery is wrong. It's a sin against the creator. Fornication is wrong. It's a sin against the creator. Lewdness, lasciviousness is wrong. It's a sin against the creator. Immodesty is wrong. It's a sin against the creator. And the list goes on and on and on. Those rules are not going to change. There's no human being that can make them change. God himself can't make them change. Because those laws are holy laws. And they'll stand to the end of time. I hate to offend people. But there are times when we just have no other choice. It comes down to pleasing God or man. Who do you serve? It's so hard for you too. Because we're, we're always being put on the spot as to right and wrong. Always being questioned as to what we believe. And we know sometimes before we even answer the question that we're on the verge of losing a friend. Who do you serve? Answer gently? Oh, yeah. Answer compassionately? Without a doubt. 
Answer with love. Amen. But speak the truth. If you are here today, if you're not a Christian, your life is all about that, making a choice. Whether you will follow God or mammon, you got to follow one or the other. If you follow God, you'll reap eternal life. If you follow mammon, you will reap eternal condemnation. That's not close to the truth. That is the truth. As Christians, we are to practice what we preach. We are to follow the rule that the Lord has given us to follow. Always mindful that our primary mission is bringing others to Christ. Without that goal in mind, without that objective, we have no purpose. We have no value, whether congregationally or as individuals. Like our Lord, we are fishers of men. How's the fishing been lately? 